0: it's your boy
1: hey
0: hey <laughs> always trying to change up that initial hello
1: yeah i mean but routine is good too
0: i guess so just, i'm just a gemini
1: we keep the routine by saying hello every time but just in a different way
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you've met my dog
1: have i ever yeah good little copper
0: <laughs> he's a good dog <laughs> I've been hanging out with him a lot this weekend. We've done some bonding. We went on a walk. It was great. Aww. But I have a question. Okay. Your your wife is a vet, I, I understand.
1: Yeah, this is true.
0: I use her for free knowledge all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering if you know this from, from osmosis.
1: It's unlikely, but you can try.
0: Okay. So you know when you pet a dog on the tummy and their leg goes crazy? Mm-hmm. Is there a term for that?
1: Not a specific term. I've read that it's either tickling sort of it's like like a analogous to tickling for us you know okay
0: that's great because i call it a tickle spot and kyle's like it's not tickling they're dogs they're, they're not ticklish
1: so it's it's not necessarily like how we experienced it they're not laughing it's not like please stop <laughs> you know it's just kind of like an overstimulation maybe you know like cats like you scratch their butt and they're like oh are they oh like, yeah and they move bite their, at their paw or something they do different things mm-hmm. it's a, a, I think it's similar to that
0: okay it's like a reflex almost
1: yeah I think and I don't know if they really know for sure even the experts so
0: Interesting
1: But feel free to find someone who knows more
0: Yeah sure Uh that's interesting Well I mean this is a short story but my dog's tickle spot is way too close to his dick so
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just. Just putting that out there. I was petting him this morning and he wanted me to go lower. And I'm like, I'm sorry, sir. I cannot.
1: This is too. Yeah.
0: This is too intimate.
1: He's just like, "Eh, it's whatever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He also loves chest scratches. So it's fine. He got his pets. We're all happy.
1: That's what counts.
0: (laughs) Yes. All right. Are you ready to learn?
1: I am ready to learn. I'm I've got my uh, rubric out here as always ready to evaluate your presentation
0: oh good okay <laughs> all right well today we are going to learn about some communes
1: all right awesome
0: yeah so most of these that we're going to cover are texas communes uh, Ooh, i'll be cool. tangentially mentioning some other ones just for some background info
1: yeah cool awesome all right so there there ever were or there continue to be maybe communes in texas
0: Yes, we have a history of it. It's very weird.
1: Are they like, com- you know, communists or like just like hippies or... So it seems like
0: today most of them are just hippie communes. But okay. back in the day, we had some straight communists in here.
1: Whoa, awesome. I
0: know. It's pretty I think sweet. we
1: briefly mentioned one of them before on the show.
0: Yes, that is actually the one we're going to be starting with. Oh, nice. So yeah, we, we briefly touched on on this first group in episode 17. The early history of socialist parties in the U.S. episode. Mm-hmm. If you want to go back and listen to that, you don't have to though, because I'm going to tell you everything about them right now. Sweet. All right. These are the Icarians.
1: Awesome. The Icarians. That sounds like this is is named after Icarus.
0: I could not find confirmation of that. I remember in that previous episode, I was also very confused by that. Like, sounds like a lofty like name for your commune. And also doomed to fail name for your commune.
1: Yeah, kind of tempting fate.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's like naming it like Sisyphus or something.
1: It gives you an excuse if it fails, though. You know, it's, well, we flew too close to the sun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's accurate. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Spoiler. All right. So
1: about these Icarians.
0: Yes. So they were a French uh, utopian socialist movement. And they were... Established by Etienne Cabet. All right. Pardon. I was going to say, pardon my French is a bad pun, but pardon my French pronunciation is more <laughs> accurate. <laughs> All right. So, this guy, born 1788, died 1856. He was very heavily involved in French politics after the fall of Napoleon. He was basically an agitator, like, hey, like, fuck theocratic monarchism, which, like, cool. Sure, yeah. Sounds good. We agree. He was for, though, a constitutional republic with still having monarch leadership, which sucks.
1: So, a constitutional monarchy? I guess, yeah. Oh, He
0: evolved, but, like, at the time, that's what he was really pushing for. Okay. So, he, like, became part of some secret revolutionary societies. We love those.
1: Yeah. Cool. You know, whomst among us.
0: (laughs) Who hasn't met in a dungeon somewhere? (laughs) <laughs> and like had a printing press going. That's what I imagine those meetings are—just candles and printing presses.
1: Tomorrow we strike.
0: <laughs> so the Revolution of eighteen thirty happened. You know, you know how France is: New Year, new king. What new you do you revolution? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he played a big role in that, and because of that, whenever the new guy took over, he was like, "Okay, I'm going to placate these revolutionaries." So he appointed Cabay the attorney general for Corsica, uh, which is like an island territory.
1: Top cop of Corsica. Got it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but Cabay wouldn't stop talking shit about the regime, the new one. The
1: one that cause... he was now a part of? Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And he just didn't think they were democratic enough. And so they're like, all right, dude, you can go to prison for two years or go to exile for five years. What did he? He chose exile, which like obviously...
1: Yeah, pr- prison especially then.
0: Yeah, I would definitely choose this ex because he went to England and he got into communism.
1: <laughs> Heck yeah, all right, good.
0: He like write about economics and stuff, basically nerded out. And he also met our pal, Robert Owen, and they oh. became friends. Nice. Yeah.
1: Commie bros.
0: Um, if you don't remember, Robert Owen is that cool, what is he, British? Yeah. British dude. We talked about him in... Our Angles reading that we did, so that would be episode 32, which is part one of our discussion on that uh, utopian and scientific reading. Yeah. So you can go learn about him. He's a cool guy, though.
1: Yeah, he was pretty pretty neat. Yeah. Idealist, but still
0: cool. Yeah, that's that's going to be a theme today. <laughs> <laughs> so this Cabay guy, he wrote a book, and it was called Travel and Adventures of Lord William Keristal in Ecaria.
1: Damn, so that sounds like a fantasy novel.
0: Doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like some fucking bridge to Terabithia shit?
1: <laughs> yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> so it was. It was fiction.
1: There and back again.
0: Yes, very much <laughs> that kind of thing. The plot was that this, this Lord, Lord Carisdal.
1: Lord of the Rings Karisdall.
0: <laughs> lord of the Rings Karisdall. He was a young English nobleman, and he heard about this very cool remote country um, that's like super isolated called Acaria and he decided to visit and he like the format of the book is like a journal of his travels.
1: Oh nice. And so he went to uh he went to the Dodo Airlines and took the <laughs> flight into Acaria in, Island.
0: He entered in his friend code. It, <laughs> it, it, he had to make sure he was connected to the Wi Fi. It was a big pain in the ass. And answer
1: forty questions before
0: <laughs> <laughs> in this horrible decision tree. <laughs> so bad. Anyway. So he goes to this this magical land or whatever, mm-hmm. and when he gets there, he basically documents how cool this is. Um, it's a cooperative system. Um, very much like the Marx quote vibes of like, you can fish in the morning, hunt in the afternoon, mm. be a philosopher in the evening. Like, yeah. he was impressed with the variety of their activities. Awesome.
1: Do what you want, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. They had a good standard of living, education, morality, political freedom, gender equality, and just overall happiness. Like, he was just like, these people, hell yeah. Things were agree. good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. He also documents like the history of Icaria, uh, this fictional country, Uh (laughs) Uh, which apparently was like everywhere else until a hero named Icar led a revolution to establish communism.
1: Hey, go Icar. That's cool.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm for that. (laughs) Um, The book also talks a lot of shit about the current structure of things and how we might transition to a better one. And um, it ends with kind of like a history of the development of communist ideas from like Plato all the way to like the early 19th century. Okay. So this book sounds weird. Like yeah. the format sounds weird. <laughs> here's this fictional story from a journal and also here's some history at the end.
1: Right? Yeah. It's, it's telling that through the, through the lens. That maybe that's the way to capture people, I guess, is give them a fantasy novel, but sneak in your history <laughs> and your communism and stuff.
0: That's my next book, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny is like reviewers called it like plotting and stuff. They're like, eh, it's kind of like the reviewers <laughs> were into it, but like the people were, I guess.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Critics hate it. but
0: Yeah, critics hate it.
1: <laughs> they don't want you to read this book, but it's good. Everyone loves it.
0: Everyone loved it. Basically, this book got so popular. He's like, well, everyone's into this book. I might as well make it real.
1: <laughs> become, become Icar. <laughs>
0: Yes. Yes. So he started organizing. Basically, he started a magazine. He started like a an annual. It's called the. It was called the Icarian Almanac.
1: Oh, okay. 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 Like
0: so, like yeah. a yearbook. Yearbook.
1: I was thinking a yearbook too. <laughs>
0: There's not a cool way to say that. That doesn't sound an like annual. There's just pictures That's the of cool everyone. Way. Yeah. It's an annual. And eventually, he had fifty thousand supporters by the end of 1843.
1: That's pretty good. I don't know if we're up to fifty thousand supporters yet. I don't, so
0: I don't think we are. <laughs> admirable yeah pretty impressive and and they got real excited about all these ideas they're very into it so they're like okay let's do it and they said okay france obviously it's not going to work here
1: just i mean yeah france you know (laughs) what was the reasoning
0: the reason because like there's just so many revolutions and shit and then like Cabay was like just fucking exiled for like talking about communism. So they're like, okay, this this is probably not a good call, you know? Like, it's not a good climate for us here. What's funny, though, is that they're like, well, let's go to the U.S. because they have such a great democratic political tradition. Ouch. (laughs) Incorrect.
1: Yeah, someone read one too many chapters of de Tocqueville or whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was weird choice to go from. (laughs) I mean, we've talked about this before is like, I mean, French listeners, feel free to correct us on this. I'm kind of jelly of France because you do have that revolutionary tradition. Like, y'all just set things on fire when you're not happy. And that's impressive to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is for sure. Like, that, you know, they will go punch cops and, like, fight, you know, in the streets. Like, and... their
0: strikes are no fucking joke. Yeah. On the I
1: don't know. On the other hand, so with revolutions, right, it's kind of like a pendulum, I guess, because you'll swing real far and be like, we're going to have, like, a revolution literal heads will roll Mm
0: -hmm. you know
1: let's let's do this and then you'll swing back the other way and be like cool for now we're an empire
0: Mm, yeah that happens a lot there huh
1: so especially at this time period you're looking at a big big swings between radicalism and conservatism so you could see i guess why so (laughs) at the time at least and plus i don't know even now you do have a lot of traditionalist views in france like in in french Mm -hmm. politics you have a lot of cons- i don't know it's it's not like american conservatism this is barbaric over here but <laughs> it's
0: just you don't want to be in here yeah. but yeah there's there's a lot like there's a big catholic community i know and like mm-hmm. there's there's just kind of that traditionalist streak maybe
1: yeah and as, like i said at the time he's dealing with you know just straight <laughs> up imperial stuff so
0: it's pretty nuts over there <laughs> so they got all excited about this so like, right let's fucking do it let's go to america
1: the land of slavery
0: yeah it's gonna be great guys <laughs> so his followers start like giving him supplies basically money seeds tools all this stuff like okay put it in the pot we're going and um (laughs) and then his pal robert owen is like all right if you go to america you should you should check out texas it's the new state it's very cheap and there's not a lot of people there yet so like you can get in on it
1: okay okay because i was like well owen did you did you know too much about Texas? Like it's mostly settled by white slave owners.
0: Uh, yeah, we're gonna get to that. Turns out, <laughs> not the best decision they could have made.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I get a, I guess I get it from the perspective of cheap land. That makes sense. <laughs> it's just you're not really yeah. moving to an area with people like you.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it doesn't end up affecting this commune too much, but our next one, that's gonna be a problem. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, so they go. Um, February 3rd, 1848, 69 Acarians left France for New Orleans and then nice. to travel up to Texas. This was like the advance guard. And so they went up to find their property, which was supposed to be by the Red River. Um, that's what Cabay had thought he purchased. That's what he got sold. That's what he got sold. But um, <laughs> it's actually 25 <laughs> miles from the river.
1: That's just a short drive up there, so... <laughs>
0: Yeah, not too bad. You get in your truck and
1: traffic ain't bad up that way either. So <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, nothing. It's Denton. There ain't nothing there yet. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm gonna send you a cute little screenshot of uh, how their land was laid out, and we can post this on our our social.
1: Uh, I'm gonna say knight e five. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's basically a checkerboard fucking pattern of plots of land. They it was a non-contiguous area of land.
1: Damn, that's something you should check out before buying land.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so alternate between state and private land.
1: Did they fence them off or something? Oh, you don't use this land? That sucks.
0: <laughs> I don't know, but like imagine trying to build a fucking commune <laughs> and like every other plot of land you can't use.
1: That sucks.
0: Yeah, it gets worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they're supposed to get a million acres, but they ended up getting 320.
1: <laughs> the difference between that is astounding.
0: It's a lot different. And <laughs> uh, this is for... You now, I'm I'm bad at spatial awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I imagine that 320 acres for 3,125 people slash families, like those are people that would want their own acres. Probably not a great division of land.
1: <laughs> That's what... I mean, if you imagine... 320 acres.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They wanted a million, so they wanted quite a bit more <laughs> of them. That's
0: true. Not great. <laughs> and the hits keep coming. They had a deadline. So in order to, like, keep this land, they had to construct a log cabin on each plot and occupy their allotment by July 1st, 1848. They got there in February.
1: Ah, okay. Uh, and again,
0: they had 69 fucking people. <laughs>
1: So they each had to be, wow, okay, wow. Yeah, that's not going to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah. What is that, five months to build, you know, <laughs> 320 cabins?
1: This is not starting off well, man.
0: No, that's a rough one. And it just gets worse and worse, y'all. <laughs> so they, they they start trying, right? And they're like, yeah. okay, we'll fucking try. And meantime, the rest of the Icarians came over. And that just doesn't work out great both their wagons break down they end up having to carry shit on their backs in the end only 27 people made it a lot of people quit and just were like i'm fucking going back to france
1: yeah man
0: yeah i mean fuck that i would not walk from you know new orleans (laughs) to denton when both (laughs) my wagons break down fuck that
1: yeah and just to well they don't know yet but just a (laughs) tale
0: it's gonna get worse they got there June 2nd, 1848. So now they have a month till their deadline. So they're like, all right, fucking all hands on deck. Let's just build, build, build. Let's try to plow these fields. Let's try to farm. Like, just insanity, right? Yeah. So it doesn't go well. It's very hot. They were poorly fed. Obviously poorly housed because they're struggling to make cabins. Yeah. Um, and so they got diseased, cholera, malaria, and four of them died. Damn. And the one doctor in town went insane and deserted.
1: Just walked off?
0: I mean, I don't know the details of it, but, <laughs> but I mean, it sounds like he became unwell.
1: Damn, dude. Uh, bad to worse. I mean, or worse Very bad. to worse. Jeez. Uh,
0: <laughs> so meanwhile in France, got another revolution. New year, new revolution, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just can't stop with the revolutions. 1848.
1: <laughs> oh, these are good ones. This is all over Europe, man.
0: Are these the good ones? Yeah. I Is mean, the they all shit? fail,
1: but like, they're cool.
0: <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so 1,500 settlers had originally signed up and was like, I'm going to go to the next phase, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But a lot of them ditched because they're like, we're kind of busy right now. <laughs> There's like revolution happening. Uh, so only 19 of them came. Oh, wow. To the 19- States. <laughs> all right. And then only half of that ever made it to Texas.
1: <laughs> um, 10 people made it?
0: <laughs> yeah, so like 10 10- Nine or ten people made it.
1: Goodness. Okay.
0: That's their second wave. They gave up, you know. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, so they basically gave up. A lot of people just kind of straggled back to New Orleans. And four people died en route to that. So just really big body count here.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: And... They had more colonists waiting in New Orleans to join them, but they're like, I don't think this is a good idea, yeah. obviously. And Cabay came over because he was like, all right, you know, this is not going well. Let me see what I can do here. <laughs> <laughs> so they like kind of voted and like half of them wanted to return to France, like 200, and then 280 wanted to keep trying to find okay. like a better area to settle.
1: Yeah. That may, well, I can't fault either side, I guess. That's- <laughs> rough but you don't want to give up but it's rough so
0: yeah I w- i'm a baby i would give up at that point you that you would bad. have given
1: up like what we have to walk from
0: <laughs> yeah the walking part. i'd be out are you fucking kidding me <laughs> i walked 15 minutes yesterday in my neighborhood and my knee hurt the rest of the afternoon i can't do that shit <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> all right so we're gonna kind of go into a tangent here some non-texas stuff so sorry texans but congrats to illinoisans
1: ah uh-huh, okay
0: so, the remainder, uh, the 280, we're like, all right, let's try again. Let's go to Nauvoo, Illinois, which is a county in Illinois. Okay. And that's when things actually got a chance to start because, like, obviously, that one didn't even last long enough for them to self-govern or do anything besides basically die.
1: Yeah. They went out there. They struggled. They were like the Stardew Valley farmer, but always on low Energy, low health.
0: <laughs> yeah. The whole time. They were, I would say they were Harvest Moon because that game to me was harder. They're just oh. eating mugwort. Yeah. <laughs> just they passing just... out in the architecture dig. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. That poor guy, I always put him through everything and I just fed him like an Turnips. onion or something. Yeah, a turnip. <laughs> turnip boy. Just one little, and he just eat it raw. Just, no.
0: <laughs> or just whatever he finds on the grounds, like that's for you to eat. <laughs> Anyway, so that was a rough one. So let's look at the second one, which actually had some legs. Okay. is Illinois. Nauvoo, Illinois. Yes. So they actually managed to set up the charter described in Kebe's book, Icaria book. Mm -hmm. So they had an annually elected president. They had officers for finance, farming, industry, and education. All right. And... You had like an approval system for joining the commune. You had to be voted in. Only adult males could vote, which sucked, but
1: okay. Uh, Yeah, that's not great.
0: Not great. So once you were voted in, you had to live in the commune for four months, forfeit all your personal property, basically put it into the community pot. Okay. (laughs) And and pay 80 bucks.
1: All right. So one-time membership fee. uh, And then if you're a guy, you can vote.
0: Basically, yeah. Also, though, if you just wanted to visit, you could stay however long you wanted in a hotel. So why wouldn't you just do that?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. That's a, lo- that's a loophole I <laughs> didn't think of.
0: That's like when you sign up for a subscription service with your credit card and set in a calendar reminder to delete it before they charge you.
1: But in this case, you can keep doing it as long as you want. You can want. just keep doing it, yeah. This is like WinRAR <laughs> or whatever. What's that? It's, it's like a thing to unzip files with. Mm. And you can download it for free and use the free trial version for a certain amount of time and then it's like okay like your trial version's up please buy it but that's it like you just close that window and keep using it
0: (laughs) great great so yeah (laughs) you can you can just keep doing the trial version i guess yeah (laughs) but um i mean some of it sounds cool though some of it's not cool some of it's cool so each family has the same amount of space basically they have like dormitories and everyone gets two rooms in an apartment building with the same basically amount and quality of furniture they shared living areas and dining areas and within the dorms they would like divide up household tasks like cooking and sewing and stuff like that. Okay. Um I like this part. At age four, kids went to boarding school and they would visit their family on Sundays, and this was so they could like build up a community, basically, like, no, you're it's not just your family, it's the whole people.
1: So they were like socially raising the kids mm-hmm. in some way. Okay. Yeah. I like that. That's kinda I cool. That
0: was pretty cool this part's not cool uh work was divided heavily by gender (laughs) uh but i mean you know it was like fucking 1840s or whatever it's kind of what you did
1: yeah still not everyone did that
0: not everyone did that but i mean french people i guess did (laughs) so Mm -hmm. they divided that up um they would sell their goods in nearby st louis um shoes boots dresses um and anything from the millery or the distillery religion wise they were agnostic like they believed in a higher power but weren't that specific about it yeah but people would still gather on sundays to like talk about like ethics and morals and also Kabe's some of his writings were kind of like christian mm-hmm. um well they weren't just kind of they were christian <laughs> yeah um he was like one of the people that were like oh jesus would be into socialism that kind of thing
1: yeah okay
0: he says the kingdom of god would be a communist society
1: I mean, it is in a lot of ways they talk about it. And whenever they talk about what the apostles do after Jesus' death, they say, you know, well, they held all their stuff in common. And they, you know, anytime anyone needed anything, they looked out for each other. That's It was like a commune, basically.
0: Yeah, basically, yeah. (laughs) When kids turned 18 they would get instructed on like various world religions which i'm like that's cool it's pretty open yeah uh this is less cool marriage was like heavily encouraged almost to the point of insistence
1: (laughs) you gotta get married
0: you gotta get married uh you can get divorced though but like they would definitely be like hey when are you gonna get married again so (laughs) (laughs) okay it's a little weird weird. yeah pretty weird all right so quick summary of how this this colony worked out they did okay for a while short story i guess they got their shelter set up, they farmed, they had a sawmill, they had a woodmill, they built a workshop, a school, a theater, a library, and a printing press.
1: Okay, that's, well, that's pretty admirable. they got a lot of stuff going on there.
0: All right. And, like, apparently they, they were very into, like, putting on concerts and, like, theater productions, so, like, that sounds pretty good to me.
1: Yeah, and just to kind of... Heart back to the communist aspect of it. This is all like publicly controlled or done, like built, owned, that sort of thing. Everything is in common.
0: Yeah, I believe so. So like the, that was the whole thing is everything's publicly owned and they have, I mean, it's not a super direct democracy because like women can't vote, but, <laughs> but you would have like weekly meetings and everyone could vote on stuff. So like, yeah, pretty good.
1: Okay. All right. So very democratic, mm-hmm. communally owned. They still do business, I guess, with the outside world. Yes, but that, they
0: have to raise money.
1: But all that, like, is put into the pot. Basically, all of that is,
0: from what prominence. I understand. Yes.
1: Okay. All right. Cool.
0: Pretty cool. And then it gets not cool because right. <laughs> Cabay, Earl Frank Cabay, he mm-hmm. got charged for fraud back in France.
1: Uh, how did? Okay. Oops.
0: Basically, the former colonists. I'm assuming from the Texas colony, they were pissed because they're like, dude. You sold us. I a, nearly a died. that of of shit. Uh, like, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, that was a bad time. I don't like that. So he had to go back to France to deal with that. And when he came back, I don't know if he was just like pissed because like I can't believe I just went through that. But he he changed. He got very power hungry.
1: Ooh, dark side.
0: Yes, be. he <laughs> he hardened or
1: whatever. <laughs> yeah, hardened Capet.
0: <laughs> so he had always been kind of the de facto leader. Even though they had a charter with, like, elected president or whatever, like, people look to him for it. Because they're like, we came here because of you. Yeah. And he was uncomfortable with it at first. He was like, no, 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 like, we should definitely elect people. Like, no, 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 that's not what I'm here for. But after this France trip, (laughs) after this France trip, he was like, no, I'm I'm into it. So he started laying down some shitty rules. All right. He prohibited tobacco and alcohol.
1: Well, he's just trying to be healthy. I mean, that's just... (laughs) You know, <laughs> just trying to lead a clean life.
0: I guess. Uh, this one sucks, though. I don't understand why you'd do this. No talking was allowed in workshops. What? Like, what the fuck? You're a commune. Like, chill.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's strange. Uh, that one's weird. Yeah. Okay. No talking.
0: And, and he changed their charter to be a four-year presidency. Great.
1: Is it, and what was it before?
0: It was a one-year.
1: Ooh, so he wants some time to amass his... Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Good strat.
0: And uh, people are pissed about this. <laughs> and this is basically how it, you know, it falls apart. Um, mm. They split into factions. Cabay left with like about 40% of the people. They went on to Missouri. Sorry, I forgot the state initials for Missouri because <laughs> that's what I wrote in my notes.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was Mo? like, am I? No, fuck, MI is Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> All right, y'all. I do my best, okay? (laughs) They went to Michigan, and the remainder became financially unable to continue, so, Uh, yeah. Not great.
1: Split the party because he was all of a sudden uptight. Yeah. Not like he hadn't been completely uptight before because of the marriage thing, but still.
0: Yeah, yeah. He had some uptight streaks for sure, but. Basically, I, I think it's interesting. It's kind of a theme we'll see is that like when these don't work out, it's usually because people get greedy and it's it's not good.
1: Some, okay. Yeah. Or I don't know. it Someone. seems like personal disagreements almost, but it's mainly because of, he was greedy, I guess, or power hungry.
0: Yeah. I, w- I mean, that's how I would characterize it. And we have a later example too that we'll get to that I think is very interesting. Okay. So I have some notes here on like the couple other colonies that they established. They had one in Michigan. Um, basically that one didn't work out cause the civil war happened and people left. And so they're like, ah, we're all fucking dying of cholera and <laughs> it was not good. Yeah. Again, they also were in big debt, so not great.
1: Yeah. Not great.
0: Uh, they had another one in Iowa, um, and similar structure to the, um, Illinois charter. And this time they split because women wanted the right to vote.
1: <laughs> Damn. Well, they should get that
0: yeah yeah so they they split off into two and i think the one that was pro women's rights like kind of fell apart and then the other one fell apart so yeah what are you gonna do
1: yeah well should have like just let them do that from the start
0: (laughs) right (laughs) i should have just been like part of it uh (laughs) oh another note about the michigan one so those are the people that left with kebe and they went to st louis to find like nearby area he died like two days after they got there (laughs) Oh. So like the guy they followed, like, I mean, it ended up being a good thing because, you know, they kind of like reverted back to the old charter instead of like the four year thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that was probably good because he seemed like he wasn't doing he wasn't being a nice dude by that point.
1: Yeah, it was time for him to <laughs> float away.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts about this cabay dude and his his acarians?
1: I admire their, like, courage to go do this. Like you said, I wouldn't want to walk from New Orleans (laughs) to Denton. I don't, uh, you know, lack of planning, first of all.
0: For sure, for sure.
1: Figure out what you're actually getting. You know, importance of doing your research.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Don't get sold a checkerboard land.
1: And the perils of having too definite of a leader. I mean, I guess there's, you know... There's perils either way. There's perils of not having enough leadership because it's like mm-hmm. it's you can't just get anything done. It's just everybody argues at every meeting forever. Okay, but there's also perils of one dude is not you know one dude is the main the main guy and that's it because yeah. when he gets a little wild, gets a little, or I guess in this case uptight, like <laughs> causes problems.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that brings us to our next commune. All right. This one is called La Reunion, and this is based in Dallas.
1: All right, um, I've heard of this one.
0: Yeah, so I actually heard about this. I watched this documentary from like our local like PBS, basically. Yeah. Um, you can find it on YouTube. It's called, I hate the name, it's called Big D Back When. For oh, some yeah. reason, Dallas insists on calling itself Big D. It's very embarrassing, and I hate it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're just, uh, you know, humble bragging.
0: I guess. Have you seen, like, the Ds around town that you compose with? No. Well, <laughs> no, it's not a D. So what people do, it's like a big, it's like these big, I guess, I don't know what material they are, but, like, these statues of letters, and it's a B and a space and a G, and you're supposed to stay in the middle and be, like, big, and take pictures and post it on Instagram, and it's stupid.
1: <laughs> uh so, that's good.
0: That's us. That's funny. What's funny is Denton does call itself Little D, which... i mean be proud Denton.
1: yeah that's (laughs) you know there are worse nicknames
0: honestly yeah all right so we're going to talk about la reunion they were a utopian socialist community established in 1855 by french belgian and swiss colonists cool so before we get into like their colony and stuff i want to talk about their background um They were kind of based on the idea of Fourierism, and we talked about him in Angle's reading, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that was part one of that episode as well, so if you want to go back and listen, you can. But I think you are going to give us some background on that, right?
1: That's right, yeah. Charles Fourier. Charles Fourier, born in France in 1772, and uh, he's an interesting fella. He kind of grew up wanting to be an engineer, but then was like, not able to because bad at math. Well, no,
0: the the <laughs>
1: local school only accepted sons of noblemen, and he wasn't a nobleman.
0: Oh, tragic.
1: Later on, he's like, "That's probably a good idea." I I really just wanted to help people, and I would have gotten oh, bored. Okay. Uh, his dad died, left him a ton of money, and so he travels around Europe, and eventually, he's like taking up these jobs and stuff, and, and hating it. He's just like, "This is bullshit. I'm just doing bullshit. This doesn't help anyone." <laughs> he takes up writing okay we've all been there we
0: <laughs> we've it, all worked bullshit jobs and then become a writer
1: yeah um takes up writing uh pretty much nobody likes his books at first <laughs> uh until this one guy is like dude you're cool i'll sponsor you
0: nice he finds an agent
1: yeah but like his his books still were not pretty pretty much weren't popular this guy just like liked him and let him like keep writing on his dime. Aww uh and his ideas though are utopian in nature mm-hmm. so he's one of the utopian socialists right for sure and uh he be- it's it's really kind of weird stuff cuz he definitely plans things out elaborately he thinks that kind of cooperation is the key to is it you know is the key to these successful societies a very orchestrated uh, arrangement of people down to the exact number of people who are supposed to be in the colony.
0: Yeah. I was reading about this and I was pretty confused. I was like, this sounds like a beehive or something.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a very good, a uh, very good way to put it is it's all like everyone has their place. It's, you know, like, like, like ants mm-hmm. almost in terms of, in. I don't mean that pejoratively really in terms of just like moving like clockwork with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, he favored building communities called phalanxes,
0: yeah, okay, yeah,
1: which and and they would build this grand hotel called a phala- phalansteries, these four-level apartment complexes, and uh you know, everybody would have their rooms and stuff, and the, the, the four levels mm-hmm. would be divided up in like the the uppermost apartments would be where the richest people lived, and then the lower floor would be where the the ground floor would be where the poorest people lived.
0: That sounds like fascism, but in an apartment building.
1: Well, the interesting thing about the poor people <laughs> and the rich people was that every, like, jobs determined, like, uh, you know, jobs that people didn't like would get higher pay. Oh. To incentivize people to do it. So, like, the janitor, okay. you know, would live on the on the top floor.
0: Okay. That's interesting. Because, yeah, I was reading about this earlier this week, and I was like, this feels very meritocracy in some ways. But, yeah, okay, that's kind of an interesting twist on it.
1: The work assignments would be based on the interests and desires of the individual. I assume that could change later on, but maybe it's just like a thing. Like, you know, I'm sure there's a number of sci-fi books that are like, oh, you test for this, you do Mm -hmm. this.
0: Like an aptitude.
1: Yeah. Fourier, one of the big highlights that they made of him in in Engels was he's very critical of civilization, Mm -hmm. society. Like to bitch about society, and I mean, you know we're all <laughs> on board with that, yeah, uh always thought that like that was it was terrible and and really wanted to bring order to it, and one of the big things he thought was crazy was that people were uh restricted, people were like repressed when they were at work, mhm, I guess Fourier like worked with people he was very attracted to in his life or something because he seems to think that. <laughs> That people have this, like, attraction when they're at work that should be a liberated thing.
0: What does that mean?
1: So, it gets Is really, it... like, <laughs> just, you know, just kind of weird and... and uh, Is he just
0: horny for open. his coworkers?
1: Kind of. So, like, here. Hmm. He believed that there were 12 common passions, which resulted in 810 types of character.
0: This guy had too much time in his hands.
1: So, the ideal phalanx, the ideal society here, would have exactly 620 people. Okay. And right there would be two of each type, Mm -hmm. male and female, presumably. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, they they would basically then be able to be paired with each other. Uh, Everyone would have like an ideal person, I guess, that Mm -hmm. is like them. Uh, He also wanted there to eventually be six million of these communes around the world (laughs) ruled by an (laughs) omniarch. Uh, he also changed this idea later to be a World Congress of Phalanxes.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: but yeah, no, he's it's, it's weird. Uh, this I'm, is
0: weird. First of all, if my husband had the same job as me, I would murder him. Like, mm-mm, I don't play that game. Secondly, this this is just super weird. Like, this guy sounds like he just needs to play, like, The Sims or something. Like, if The Sims had been around, he'd be very into it. Like, he's very, like... It's like constructing a little dollhouse world or something.
1: Yeah. In Fourier's system of harmony, all creative activity, including industry, craft, agriculture, etc., will arise from liberated passion. This is the famous theory of attractive labor. Fourier sexualizes work itself. The idea <laughs> oh. of the ph- philanthropy is a continual orgy of intense feeling, in- intellection, and activity. A society of lovers and wild enthusiasts.
0: I'm making a big face. <laughs> I don't like this guy. It is
1: very weird. Uh, he also had some, you know, positive aspects to him and negative aspects to him, aside from the weirdness, which <laughs> we're mean, just kind of, that's just a value judgment. I don't know. That's not, it's not necessarily I mean, weird, but it is weird, but for It is us. weird.
0: I, I think it, it comes to that whole, like, do what you love you never work a day in your life. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, that just, I've had that used in so much like capitalistic ways that i'm very wary of it being used at all so yeah. i don't know that makes sense I, I just don't agree with that like i'm a part-time cartoonist and i still fucking complain about it even though it's what i wanted to do since i was like eight so
1: <laughs> yeah
0: there's gonna be times even in something you like there's gonna be a part of it that you like less
1: that's true that's true uh I'll i'll introduce a big downside to him so we don't get too like <laughs> all right what's and next then you know, and then have to come back and be like, but he he was like anti-Semitic. Uh, oh, so he uh, considered trade and like commerce and everything. He very much was like, that's all. It's not all, but like Jews, they're like that's what they do. He, he, had, he had this like, you know, that trope. He was okay. Big that's into. bad. Yeah, uh, and you know, just didn't like them. Uh, he was, however, supporter of women's rights. Uh, okay. He believed. <laughs> I believe that all important jobs should be open to women on the basis of skill and aptitude. Uh, He spoke of women as individuals, not as half of the human couple. That's Uh, good. He didn't like traditional marriage. He thought that could hurt women's rights as human beings. He never married as a result of that. He thought that both men and women had a wide range of sexual needs and preferences that could change, including same-sex sexuality. And and, androgynity is how it puts it here just being androgynous. Thanks for And yeah, so he he just basically said all sexual expressions are fine as long as people aren't abused. Who cares?
0: And as long as they kind of want to fuck their work.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, as long as they <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Interesting. What a mixed bag of a man.
1: Yeah. Uh weird. He's he's weird.
0: He's a, yeah, definitely weird.
1: <laughs> but like he's basically obsessed with planning and my this, this is how I read it. Mm-hmm. Like everything down to the number of people there and the, the built the the precise dimensions of the building that needs to be constructed and all that.
0: Weird. Okay. Yeah. That's very interesting info considering where this commune goes.
1: <laughs> all right.
0: So, this commune back to La Reunion, mm-hmm. founded by Victor Prosper Considérant. Which is just a good name, considerant.
1: It is a good name. It's funny. He actually, uh, people in his lifetime kept putting an accent on the E.
0: Oh, yeah. And he was pissed about it. Yeah.
1: He was like, there's no accent. I keep trying to (laughs) correct people on this.
0: (laughs) Oh, poor guy. Yeah. So this guy, he was a French democratic socialist. He believed everyone has uh, like a right to have work. He cool. believed in a proportional representation and direct democracy. So, like, some cool shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm into it. And he, like our last guy, got forced into exile.
1: <laughs> well, you know, you judge, you can judge a person by the enemies they make, right?
0: Yeah. This time <laughs> it's because he was protesting Napoleon III's invasion of Rome. So, like, that's good.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. War sucks.
0: Yeah. yeah. So he went to Belgium in 1849 to hide it out. Um, later he went on to become a member of the first international and he also took part in the Paris commune. So he dabbled. Right.
1: Yeah. I saw that he wrote a manifesto too, right?
0: Why didn't she Tell me about it. Uh,
1: yeah, he, he authored a manifesto called democracy manifesto.
0: Oh, that's a good name.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's well, it's, it was written five years before the communist manifesto.
0: Oh, okay. We have a preview.
1: Yeah, but it's like a light version of it. It's kind of like, okay. we want to do this stuff, but we want to do it like, you know, peacefully, democratically. We don't want to, we don't want to do any revolution or anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that seems to be kind of the utopian's thing.
1: <laughs> Let's be nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this guy, he was like, all right, I'm pretty excited about this, this cooperative idea. These, what are they called? I kept phalanxes. Yeah. A little, that's a phallic term to me. I picture these buildings as big well, dicks.
1: It's all about sex. <laughs> I guess right? that's
0: true. You got to be attracted to this big dick building.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's not all about sex, but that was a big part of it was this that's release so of true liberation of people.
0: Okay, man, whatever. <laughs> so he got into Fourierism. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. I'm going to start my own shit. I'm going to start my own commune. So nice. he found an area of land near the three forks of the Trinity river. And he was like, this is good. Like he went over to look at it and was like, cool. He got back to Europe to recruit settlers and like get investments from them to fund their colony. Okay. He hilariously oversaw these colonists. I'm going to send you a picture of a drawing that he had that was like, come to this. And, um, <laughs> okay. it's pretty crazy.
1: Uh, Did he say this is where they were going?
0: (laughs) He said this. So he gave out these drawings that they were the ambition of it. He wanted it to be nice. And like, he basically pictured like a Versailles for the people, you know? Yeah. He wanted to be be like lined gardens and a big community plaza and all this stuff. Yeah. Here's the thing. He did oversell a lot, though, because he compared the land to French wine country. And I don't know if you've ever been to Dallas, y'all, but it ain't French wine country. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go ahead and tell you that right now. So, yeah, he's like, come on, it's going to be great. Let's all go over. And people are like, sure, I'm in.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, so you get this idea of communes, though. And you think like, okay, well, you know, people live in like just a kind of a low barracks situation, a little hut mm-hmm. or something. But. We do. I mean, if we were to set up a commune or whatever nowadays, we would want it to be as luxurious as it could be, right? I mean, like.
0: That's true. I mean, like, I think that's fair. I think he just had, I think his expectations were too high.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is our goal. We're actually going to start out like way lower than this and build up to it.
0: Yeah. I don't think he thought about that part. (laughs) He
1: just thought it would kind of, it would work itself out.
0: Yeah, I think he wanted that sooner than it was physically possible. So basically what happens is he w- tries to settle in Fort Worth, but it was occupied. So they ended <laughs> up buying land by the Trinity. So they started building houses. Some of the early colonists went over and started building ahead of time. Uh, this is at the south bank of the Trinity River, which is uh, today. It's right by I-30, South Dallas.
1: Okay.
0: And while they were building, 200 French colonists arrived near Houston, and they walked 250 miles north <laughs> with with uh ox carts that's a
1: 5 hour drive y'all
0: <laughs> oh yeah it's not good they would get up at 2:30 in the morning and march for 5 to 6 hours jeez yeah
1: well, i mean makes sense it gets too too hot after that
0: yeah for sure so they they'd have to like cross a whole bunch of creeks and rivers and shit and then at night, they'd have to dig trenches around their tents for snakes. Oh. <laughs> just Damn. shitty. It just once again, I'm out. Like, I would yeah. get to Houston be like, no, nah, I'm going to stay here.
1: I was going to say, like, maybe our state is the Australia of the United States. Oh, Florida. I was going to So that was like, maybe Florida, though, is the title for that, actually.
0: Yeah, they got gators, man. <laughs> So I, I was reading this article about them. And <laughs> I thought it was funny the way they characterize this. They're like, being French, here's some of the supplies they brought. And I was like, okay.
1: <laughs> what did <laughs> they, did they bring baguettes and like, I
0: don't <laughs> It wasn't quite accordions.
1: that Accordions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Only accordions and berets. <laughs> no, they bought, they brought a hundred pounds of coffee, which I'm like, it was pioneer times. Everyone drank coffee on the road. Like, that's what you do. Yeah. Uh, 50 pounds of chocolate. Okay. That's a good well, source of calories.
1: That's not a good, that's not good for packing, dude.
0: <laughs> this one's bad. 130 pounds of gruyere cheese. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, uh,
1: if that's the type of cheese you make, cheese is not exactly, well, I don't know. You need to refrigerate cheese. I mean, you can mm-hmm. leave it in rinds yeah. and stuff. It's not that bad.
0: They're probably in rinds. So I picture them just wheeling these big cheeses <laughs> across the land. Uh, that's uh. good. Anyway, I thought that was just a very funny characterization of it. I'm like, I bet those were just for food. Like it's not like they were like making fucking charcuterie boards out in the fucking Texas wilderness.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Plus, I mean, you know, turn this turnabout is fair play. What would Texans bring? You know, stereotypical the Texans go on an expedition, what stupid things would they bring? Like three cases of Dr. Pepper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, what does it call? Like a big smoker? Like a pit <laughs> yeah, thing. big pit smoker. <laughs> they just wheel it around behind them. 30,
1: uh, what, 300 pounds of brisket.
0: Mm hmm. Oh, <laughs> they just bring the cow with them. <laughs> uh. So these colonists, it sucks. They have to do this long walk with all their cheese. Um, they get there, and um, so Considerant basically was pissed because he was like, these houses suck. Because, you know, he had his little dream of a perfectly. Built society with fucking tree lined avenues and formal gardens. Yeah. And he thought these buildings were beneath his dignity.
1: Oh, wait. But like, okay. So they got there, they built shitty buildings, and he was, and then he arrived later?
0: Yeah. Cause they had that first advance. Oh, okay. Garden.
1: Yeah. And they, yeah. And then he, so he gets got there, there and he's like, like, what
0: the fuck? These buildings suck. Oh, okay. Did- so this motherfucker, he ditched and went to Austin. And secretly bought land outside San Antonio um, using the investments he had gotten. So that's pretty cool. Dude, what a loser. <laughs> he sucked so hard. It's going to get worse. He was very bad. Very bad man. So the settlers, they start settling. <laughs> um, they Let's go over kind of like, I guess, their goals and ideals of okay. like what they were about. Uh, they were communal. They were a direct democracy. They would share in the profits from investments and the amounts slash quality of labor performed. All right. Um, individuals could still own private property. So it wasn't like the last place where we had to put it all in the pot. Yeah. Uh, men and women can vote. Cool. But women's wages were 40% of men's. Not cool.
1: Was there a reason for that? I don't know. <laughs> their I, their look, reason probably was just, I don't know, they're women.
0: Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, all the land was community owned and they had rotating responsibilities and they would also hire outside professionals from like the nearby i mean Dallas at that point yeah um from from there to supplement any labor all right so they made some progress um after their first winter they cleared 430 acres they fenced a bunch of it they had a herd of 600 cattle nice they had a kitchen bakery tannery grocery smokehouse community office winery sawmills and extensive gardens
1: They have a lot. Okay. Right? They haven't quite hit it on the equality thing from men and women or people are still owning private property. I mean, but.
0: But not bad. Yeah. Housing was basically all shared and like locals would visit and they were impressed by like their architecture and they would come over for like Sunday dances. So like, not bad. So it's
1: a little social democratic community sort of.
0: I think so. Like, I mean, there's a lot of shared property, I think is the thing.
1: Yeah. But when you say saying private, do you mean like personal property, like they could own their own toothbrush or something?
0: I think it's personal property. Like you're, that's what I got from it. Cause it's, it said all the land was community owned.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, nobody has like, oh, but I privately run the newspaper or I privately run whatever. Not
0: that I understood. No.
1: Okay. So they mean that was just, okay.
0: I think they just mean like personal their personal property. shit. Like got you can it. have your, you can still keep your dress. Okay. So <laughs> they whatever.
1: basically then have a little socialism going on. I like it.
0: Yeah um the locals didn't like it <laughs> what but they were coming over for we, the sunday
1: dinners or whatever the sunday well they like
0: that part i guess but um, uh, so they liked it and they didn't like it they were happy that they would get hired for like building houses and building shit for them like they're happy because they got paid yeah they like that <laughs> um and they also had friends because the the Carians that had stuck around in Denton County would help them out. So like they were already, there's a community of French immigrants in the area that were like, yeah, we'll help you out. Yeah. Some people didn't like them though. The know nothing party. Oh, what a fucking name. These
1: guys fucking <laughs> suck.
0: They really did know I nothing. These guys. They're anti-immigrant and pro-slavery. hmm And they didn't like them because uh, La Reunion, they were abolitionists. So uh, that wasn't going to work out.
1: Yeah. They're also probably mostly Catholic or Catholic leaning, yes. and these guys, at least, they would have suspected them of being Catholic. The know nothings would.
0: Yeah, they they were largely Catholic. Okay. Um, so yeah, they didn't like that either.
1: Because again, they just suck. They're they just, just sucked a lot. <laughs> super bigots.
0: Yeah. Anyone they could hate for no reason, they would.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, no nothings. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. The Texas State Gazette called the colony quote lawless and unprincipled. Damn. And they basically just like didn't think they could cut it. Um and this kind of gets to this interesting narrative here. So when I watched this initial documentary, they very much characterized this colony as like full of fancy people basically like bourgeoisie. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, they're all Frenchies, they're all artisans, they're all just like they didn't have enough know-how and that's why they failed."
1: They're just setting up cafes on every corner. Of the- <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it's true. They did have a lot of like intellectuals and artisans. They had watchmakers, weavers, brewers, and shopkeepers. But I'm like, some of those things are useful still. Yeah. Like weavers, that'd be very useful.
1: Brewers, dude, that's calories.
0: Right. Um. I mean, watchmakers, you're gonna have to wait for a minute, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll get to you. But um. But that's kind of the narrative in a lot of these articles I found was that they they just couldn't produce enough food because they're just full of frou frou people.
1: Watchmakers are good mechanics too. Also, so
0: oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure they're smart, yeah. But yeah. And like clearly they developed a lot of things. Like they were doing okay, right? Mm -hmm. What's interesting is that the common story of this, I I don't think it's true. There's like a lot more factors to it. And I found other sources that were like, "Mm, there's a lot more going on. Okay. So first off, they had some natural issues. Uh, The land sucked for farming, heavy in limestone.
1: (laughs) Which is not good for farming, I guess. Very bad for farming. Okay. (laughs)
0: um they all had really bad weather there was a blizzard in 1856 that destroyed their crops and froze over the whole fucking river
1: there was a blizzard
0: i know right (laughs) we had snow last month and we like all lost our fucking minds it never (laughs) (laughs) happened. can you imagine the trinity fucking river being frozen it's wild (laughs) it's nuts uh And so then after that, they had a summer drought, which had a bunch of, like, grasshoppers. So, you know, just all the elements. All right, yeah.
1: I can expect (laughs) that one for sure, but...
0: Yeah, yeah. That one's... That one's I've seen before. (laughs) Um, Like all of our communes here, for the most part, there was some financial issues. It's just as expensive to run a commune, guys. I don't know if you knew that, but it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wonder what... So, you know, every community has this situation. But is it just because... In most communities, you know, individuals fail and they, you know, have to suffer on their own and some people are doing all right. And so overall, the community is fine. But in a commune, like, everybody each person's individual failings, like, combined together become everyone's
0: problem? I think so. I think it's just that, like, unless you have a very carefully set up or, you know, even if, or if, you know, a fucking blizzard happens and destroys all your food. That's true. Yeah. Um you're going to have to supplement your, like, the things that you make with buying things. Like, they were hiring people for labor. They were hiring people for other stuff. And, yeah. like, I'm sure they were buying some basics that they just couldn't make yet. Like, mm-hmm. they just didn't have the capacity for. Yeah.
1: That makes sense. So, okay.
0: here's the real issue, though. We're going to go back to considerate, because he's not very considerate. Does he show up again? Here's the thing. He shows up again. <sighs> so, he went to Austin bought this land secretly, using their money. Another reason you're financially having some issues. We just have ten
1: thousand dollars <laughs> left for some reason.
0: He so he comes back and like he basically was a big asshole. He was trying to run the place. He would give orders from bed. He refused requests to open a school and an infirmary and like to approve an irrigation project. Why? He I don't know, because he's he just becomes a dick. What a jerk. He sold their milling equipment.
1: Just so, uh, We don't need this. Who needs to mill? Yeah. Uh, when did he come back?
0: Um, I'm not sure on that timeline. I think he just like ran down the Austin real quick and bought the land and came back.
1: Okay. Because I was seeing, because you mentioned on here, he's a member of the First International and he was in the Paris Commune, which would be in 1871. So I didn't know if like.
0: Oh no, we're before that.
1: Okay. So, I mean, I guess at least he comes back and does some cool shit. Later, like makes up for it because.
0: Not in my opinion, because you know what else he does? Okay. He stole all their money and just left.
1: (laughs) This guy's a trash opportunist, man.
0: He sucked. He just took all these people's money and just fucking left. And so this other guy stepped up, uh, Auguste Mm Savardon. He was this like country doctor. He actually back in France had turned his chateau into an orphanage. Oh, okay. Um, and then got arrested for being a subversive. Um, that's not as cool. It's not his fault. France being an asshole. Yeah,
1: that is cool um, to be arrested as a subversive. No, it is
0: cool. <laughs> <laughs> it just sucks for him oh, yeah, and the yeah, orphans. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this guy uh, ends up running the commune a lot because Considerant fucking sucked. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I just think it's really interesting that people choose to blame these like, quote unquote, elites or whatever. Like it's just has this weird, like, oh, you're, you're. Just French and frou frou. When it's like, no, this guy fucking was a an asshole and ran it into the ground. <laughs> like yeah. he stole all their money and left.
1: And that's you know you see that trope alive and well today. Even with just like soft little liberals, they'll be like, "Oh, you're a latte sipping liberal or whatever, or <laughs> driving your Prius." But they'll do the same thing with communists of just you're just you know you're an elite student, mm-hmm. you know, just talking intellectual things while. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, I don't know. I it was very interesting just because like I I read a lot about this from different sources and most of them had that narrative and then and this one guy had a different one. It's a book called Sabotaged Dreams of Utopia in Texas by James Pratt. Mm-hmm. Um which I might just buy the whole book cuz it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they they ended up dissolving uh January 1857. Um if you're from Texas or Dallas, you might be familiar with the Reunion Tower as a major part of our skyline. It was named after this colony,
1: the ball for the those big of ball. you who didn't know its its name.
0: <laughs> How I used to get my news when I lived downtown. I would be like, "Oh, the Stars one because <laughs> <laughs> it's green." It's so stupid, but uh definitely what I did, and um. Also, like the remaining, you know, the former colonists really had an influence on Dallas as it grew. Um, The first brewery and butcher shops in Dallas came from former colonists. Mm -hmm. And just having that big European population, I think, kind of changed the landscape a bit. So what do you think of La Réunion?
1: Uh, Well, I don't know. I think it illustrates somewhat the different uh, kind of the strengths and the weaknesses of communes. As a mm, tactic, but like as a, as a means of responding, I guess, to capitalism, you know?
0: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. So this is actually going back to the first one, but the, his story about Icar, he led a revolution.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And this guy just skips it.
1: Revolutions Both are of hard. Both these guys. You know? I mean,
0: revolutions, yeah, they kind of suck in their own way. It's
1: difficult. You got to do stuff. You got to Yeah, make... die. Well, some people have to yeah uh so i mean yeah i get i get the appeal of rejecting capitalism right away today and like i don't know it's not as hard to do it is still hard but it doesn't require as much of like a like you said a revolution
0: yeah yeah it's hard in a different way but i mean i think Without that revolution, without like a mass movement, you do end up still relying on the outside world, which means you're going to rely on money, which means people are going to be assholes sometimes.
1: Yeah. it, You know, and it, it depends on getting the right mix of people, having the right leader and not a leader who's going to be an asshole and leave and take all your money. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: you have to plan a lot ahead of time.
0: Mm-hmm. Careful
1: planning and land purchasing.
0: That's interesting that... This guy was a Fourier person, and like he, according to the narrative at least, didn't bring farmers. Like, <laughs> you know,
1: yeah, you would think that's kind of weird. <laughs> you would think he would have learned. Yeah, but but, but and, you know, it's got good sides too. You get to live with cool people. Mm-hmm. You get to have your own community and do cool things in common. Living kind of in accordance with your values in that on the individual level and like with a community of like minded people, which is cool. So yeah. I like that. Um I don't know. I think it however is still open, is still vulnerable to some you know, it just like a little thing can go wrong. Not a little thing. I mean a blizzard wiping out your crops, not a little not a little <laughs> That's thing. That's pretty bad. But like just one disaster, i don't know, seems more precarious, maybe.
0: hmm. Very tenuous.
1: Yeah. So, and I also, I don't know, I guess a broader critique that we haven't really mentioned yet is these communities, like we said, rely on outside trade and everything. They don't change the world around them. Mm -hmm. It, uh, while you are on a personal level and a community level rejecting like your particular role in capitalism and more broadly like imperialism, you're not Mm -hmm. doing anything against that worldwide.
0: Yeah, it's almost a little, like, selfish. Like, I'm going to do my own thing over here. Like, sorry, y'all have to get crushed.
1: Yeah. Well, it reminds me of my, I've said this on the show before, but my favorite Eugene Debs quote of, while there is a lower class, I am in it. While there's a criminal element, I am of it. And while there is a soul in prison, I am not free.
0: Yeah, yeah. It is kind of just like, bye. (laughs) I'm going to yeet on out of here.
1: And I get it. I mean, and I definitely think that anybody who's, Participating in a commune that is also like actively trying to change the world too you know props like that's that's what I think people that should still good. do but it you know just going to live in a commune isn't necessarily revolutionary not to say that we're always necessarily revolutionary we just like shouting to the void it's not really a revolutionary <laughs> activity but still
0: yeah I don't do anything <laughs> all right we got one more commune to talk about all right so this is a more modern one. Uh, it's called White Hawk Valley. It was formed in the late 1970s. All right. This is based, this is also in Denton. Okay, cool. Um, It's it's Denton County. I think it's somewhere around like Argyle, Denton, that area. Okay, gotcha. Um, it's a 220 acre agricultural co-op and it is like very off the grid. It's interesting.
1: Weird, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Off the grid commune in Argyle or near Argyle
0: yeah yeah and there's a lot of open space there and i imagine there was even more in the 70s
1: oh yeah they're just people are building out that way now but
0: yeah so you can just do a google search for this but their homes are really interesting looking they're made of ferro cement and other composite building materials so if you look these up you can just google white hot valley denton texas and they look like hobbit houses or something
1: that's what i was gonna say they look (laughs) That looks like a hobbit house without the round door. But besides that, yeah, it's built into the side of the hill. It's a sod house kind of.
0: Yeah. So they build these structures in the ground and they look very sci-fi fantasy. Uh, Like I was also thinking about like the the Star Wars houses too. Yeah, with this one with the
1: the thing on top. Mm -hmm. That looks cool. Yeah. I want one of those.
0: So it's really interesting. So they they build these domes partially in the ground. And this is so they can use like geothermal stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have any air conditioning and y'all you need it in texas <laughs>
1: yeah for sure it's
0: disgusting here i literally don't understand how people settled this place before air conditioning and like if you look at the history of our population it not many people did after yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but i mean building into the ground makes sense in that it, it, it would be cooler it's like a cellar yeah right
0: a lot cooler. So, in fact, you could get down to 80 degrees, which sounds bad still, but considering you could, they measured it 42 consecutive summer days of 100 and plus temperatures, which that, that's what fucking happens mm-hmm. here. Their houses were still at 80 degrees.
1: Damn.
0: Which, like, for my baby ass, is still too hot, but still, <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah. You
1: get a couple, well, I don't know if you can get a couple fans in there or something, but it's not so bad. You know, you're in the shade. Mm hmm you don't really maybe have a breeze the uh, fans would help with that or open the i don't know if you can open the windows and still get a breeze going but
0: so people would like have workarounds like i read about some people like so they have like some limited electricity and so yeah they would use them for fans okay. and strategically place them and stuff
1: yeah that's cool um though.
0: yeah and it would get down to like 60 degrees in the winter so awesome works the other way too yeah And then they also have skylights in there to provide light, Mm -hmm. and they have roof vents to allow heat to escape. Uh, Their water is solar heated, and most homes have fireplaces. They would have compost toilets, (laughs) and they would use those to, like, send methane to, like, a methane generator, I guess, like, basically using everything. (laughs) Damn, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, They would have shallow wells and windmills uh, to power a 12-volt car battery. Okay. So they had some limited electricity, which is good. or at
1: least they're, like, making their own.
0: Yeah. So um, this was co-founded by Robert and Ruth Foote. And they basically just – they wanted to get off the grid. They wanted to, like, have – they wanted to live off the land and, like, be a model for living environmentally and that you can still be comfortable and – you know, just kind of set that example for people. Yeah. In 1979, they actually started another community called Rainbow Valley, which like very good name. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's like the name of a farm in Stardew.
0: Right? (laughs) Like I would go, I would go check that out. Um, They had five families as of 2007. I couldn't find a lot of recent stuff on this. So if anyone knows what's happening with White Hawk and Rainbow, let me know. They also have solar power stored in eight golf cart batteries, plus propane for appliances and water and a wood stove. As far as I know, since 2008, they were both of these communities were still going, although it seems like it's a little less idyllic now. Mm-hmm. Um, White Hawk has 16 families. Uh, that was in 2007, so not sure on their population now. But a lot of, like, the original structures are starting to be in disrepair. And um, they used to have, like, a good volunteer system. Like, you'd have to, like contribute so many hours to labor for roads and other repair projects. And those are no longer required. So just things are kind of falling apart a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, um, that's all I have on it. I don't have a ton on this, but it's just interesting. Like, it just seems like it's very much like the eco side of, of this. Um, yeah. And, uh, And that's kind of what I found when I tried finding more modern communes in general, it's more about like kind of hippie stuff, which like I'm into, but it doesn't seem as politically motivated. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Like, I don't know specifically about white Hawk, but I looked up some other ones. Just, I found this like website where you can look up communes. Yeah. Like, and, um, they would have like, here's how you have to apply to join. And here's our, how we run ourselves. And it's mostly just like, we vote on stuff and like, right. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just interesting. Like we have a greenhouse, we have chickens, we, you know, whatever. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. like, we have Wi-Fi, and it's just an interesting way to live, I guess. And, like, I think it reminds me of what you said earlier. It's like, it doesn't seem very revolutionary, but it seems cool. Like, it seems, I think some people could really benefit from living like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I was reading about one that's in Virginia.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The Atlantic had an article about them. Uh, And they were, you know, just like you said, It wasn't very political. They had like kind of direct democracy going. They had like, you know, people sharing their workload and, and like signing up on what they wanted to work on and then working on that. But it, it was just kind of like a way to, to opt out just to like, I'm doing this, you know, and Mm -hmm. very voluntary, you know, fairly steady seeming, you know, it didn't seem like it was like it was falling apart or anything. It had that same like application process or whatever. I don't know. I guess, I guess, Looking at it, another thing I was thinking is none of these examples that we've seen, I mean, I guess the Utopians had a little bit of this, the early ones. They eventually were trying to like build up to this grand thing, right? You know, this. Yeah. But these that we're talking about with more like, oh, we've got like a golf cart battery and I don't know. They're very like low tech and that they kind of want to keep it that way. There's no goal to, like, advance the productive forces or anything. Nothing, like, communist in that sense, right?
0: Yeah, I'd say it's the opposite. Like, according to, like, the founders, they wanted to, like, live. It was called walking lightly on the land. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, they they really wanted to minimize their environmental footprint. And there are ways to do that while still amping up your productivity. But that's difficult. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think they're more concentrated on like.
1: More like a narco primitivism.
0: A little bit, yeah.
1: But I mean, you know, it's kind of cool, like you said, in, in terms of like the personal lifestyle sort of thing.
0: Yeah, like it sounds rad as hell, but it doesn't sound communist enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's where we end up. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's just also so small and it's like, I don't know. I'm just curious, like. It just doesn't... I think it's goes back to that thing where it's like, it is kind of just for you at that point. It is just for you and, I guess, your family. And, like, good job. You, you get to live a cool little eco lifestyle, but, like, not everyone can.
1: Yeah. It does require, like, materials or... It, it requires you to be able to get to that point. I don't know how that happens for everybody. But... Yeah. You have mentioned in the past wanting to start a neighborhood commune. <laughs> so where are you now on that?
0: Um i don't know man like i think my commune i mean if i just if i actually tried to do this right now yeah <laughs> i think mine would be a very limited commune like i don't see it as like we're gonna build a perfect society i see it as like literally like i don't know let's buy a couple of houses in my neighborhood and we'll all share you know child care and cooking and like it's more like sharing domestic labor i guess
1: okay so like a man that's just like a neighborhood like organization sort of thing right that's just i'm
0: basically yeah because i just i don't see how i mean one i'm not a fucking farmer (laughs) yeah i mean we could probably have a cool community garden i think that'd be great and that could supplement our food but i don't see that replacing all of our food and like you know there's not a ton of land here i mean there is but not like a shit ton of open land yeah so i i don't see it as a solution i just see it as like a nice way to live and you'd have to have support from something else too
1: that makes sense. That Whether makes that
0: sense. be like, all right, we're still on capitalism, so like everyone will still go to your jobs, but like, hey, I'm here for you if you need something, you know, like, whatever. Like we all we all buy the same food and we all cook the same food, and like, just having that system, I think, would be very helpful, especially when you get kids and stuff, because you'd be like, oh my god, watch these fucking kids for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just kind of like a support network, almost. I don't know.
0: It's almost yeah. It's almost like how like. People live in extended families. Like mm-hmm. that's why people do did that for hundreds of years and now we're realizing, oh, it's really hard when you don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't just have a household with two people and a kid. It's very difficult. Yep. Interesting. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't see it as a solution. I just I I don't I fucking don't know how to make things, you know? <laughs> so like I can't farm, I can't produce grain or you any even of watch that makers. shit. You know? I can't even be a fucking watchmaker. So like, yeah, I, I don't view it as a solution. I view it as like a stopgap to help people until you get your full, you know, communism.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. It's it's nice. I don't know. I don't know. if It, it, it does sound peaceful and cool in its way. Like, I don't know if I would do it, but it sounds kind of neat.
0: I go back and forth because I, both you and I are very introverted people. So
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, as long as there's no like obligation to hang out like i think it's still important that people have their own space and stuff mm-hmm. so as long as it's like okay if you want to you can you can eat dinner with everyone but you can also just like use the kitchen and go home it's cool yeah yeah <laughs> so i don't know interesting to think about
1: for sure and just an interesting history of that being in uh, those communes that you were mentioning la reunion and the Icarians like being in lighthawk valley to being in texas
0: Yeah, yeah. It's not something people think about. I was very surprised to learn about it.
1: Yeah. We can uh, bring such radical ideas as communes to Texas. We can certainly start preaching the good word of socialism far and wide. (laughs) Communism and seeing what we can do here. It's not impossible.
0: It's not. It's really not. Like, I've met a lot of leftists here.
1: It's just really difficult. I don't know. It is.
0: (laughs) You have to be careful about it. You have to be kind of like... I feel like I tease people out, like, so, like, what do you think about this? You know, like, you ask them a low-stakes question, like, haha, healthcare, that'd be cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, you're on board. <laughs> you just kind of keep ramping it up. <laughs> That's my method anyway. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, how'd I do? Uh,
1: Very well. You did, you did great. Um, Thanks. Very interesting points brought out for each of them. Stuff I didn't know. Uh, and, yeah. I think that we, the listeners hopefully have a better idea of kind of what these early utopian projects looked like, maybe what some of their strengths, some of their shortcomings were, and ultimately, where do do such things kind of fit in with our, you know, with our overall leftist goals, whether that's more of a Marxist leaning or a narco-communist leaning, like, what does it all fit into, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think... Like I said earlier, I think it has the potential to be a very good structure after evolution. Like once you're more set up, you know, once you can be like, okay, we can deliver your like basic needs through, you know, the state or whatever it ends up a worker run state, hopefully. And then, you know, you can supplement with your greenhouse or whatever. Like, sure. But I don't, I don't think it should be the only way we do things. Like I know I have some anarcho leanings, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a mixed bag right now.
1: Man, if, if they're, I mean, if you're talking like workers stay in charge, turn I mean, yeah, if anybody wants to like turn loose and start doing this, you know, as long as you don't like start, you know, wage slaving people or whatever, then you're kind of good. I mean, <laughs> do that if you want to do that to produce stuff. That's okay. Right? I mean, because you'll have your basic so, yeah. needs taken care of. So I
0: think so, yeah. It's just, it's just, again, like, how do you want to set your life up, yeah. basically, mm-hmm. like thinking beyond the nuclear family, because like. I mean, it works for some people, but for some people, it really fucking doesn't.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so that would be one way you could organize yourself. You could organize yourself into more like, okay, this is our apartment block. And and like, you know, that could be like a commune too. This is our apartment block. This is what we do. We have, we go down to the neighborhood, like co-op grocery store Mm -hmm. sort of thing. I mean, you know, like that's what.
0: That'd be great.
1: You could, uh, that's how you could handle it.
0: I think I'm just very into neighborhoods, guys.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Neighbor, yeah. I th- I feel like people feel atomized in our current society. Feel like you're on your own. You're the only I think one, so. you know, and and so neighborhoods have this appeal that uh, because like we I don't know, we both live in neighborhoods but we don't like have a lot of like interaction with them. Everyone, you know, so many people do live in neighborhoods but they feel like they don't really like they don't know anybody in their neighborhood or whatever.
0: Yeah, I think that's what I I like about like, my neighborhood, like, I I joined, like, our Facebook group and stuff, and, like, we set up a little so- safe, like, socially distanced Halloween walk thing. And, like, I it has been very nice getting to know my neighbors. Like, I still don't know them as well as I want to because of, like, fucking Panini Press pandemic. Yeah. But uh, it's nice, like, having some things in common, I guess, and, and just being like, hey, like, why are the Atmos people here? Okay. You know, just, yeah. like, it's nice being able to talk about those things. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm old. (laughs) I sound really
1: old. No, I think a lot of people have that feeling. But a lot of people our age, younger maybe, I don't know, uh, have that feeling of like, I can't, not that I can't, but like they don't want to or they're scared of. It's awkward. Neighbors and stuff. You know, you just don't want to go, you don't want to seem like you're prying. Sometimes you just don't want to interact with people. I don't know. Uh, I feel that for sure.
0: (laughs) I definitely felt it when I was in an apartment building. I was like, "I'm not gonna fucking talk to you." Like, there was like a, two people I talked to in my building. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. Yeah, mostly because they had dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting that yeah the atomization part. I think that's interesting. All right, what are we doing next week? Next
1: week we're going to take a look another look at our good friend uh, imperialism.
0: Oh, I hate that guy. Yeah. He ruins everything.
1: Imperialism sucks
0: he always comes in stomping around murdering people least fave
1: yeah imperialism this time we'll take a look at it uh in terms of uh great britain you know the united kingdom
0: they're like the original
1: yeah well taking a look at what they did imperialism wise in their very first foray into it (laughs) which will be ireland
0: oh okay um I know nothing about this. I know about Branson on Downton Abbey, and that is it.
1: <laughs> well, we'd we'll be taking a look at the development of <laughs> socialism in Ireland, and that kind of all stems back from the original British, you know, imperialist project there of conquering it and then holding it under their boot, boot heel. And socialism and Irish, specifically Irish Republican socialism, as a response to that. Okay. Okay. And and we'll take a look at like the Easter Rising. We'll take a look at James Connolly. Uh, we'll take a look at uh, later on the IRA and the the struggle for the Irish Republic.
0: Okay. I've heard of like two of those things, so <laughs> we'll see.
1: <laughs> okay. I
0: feel like I'm going to learn a lot.
1: Yeah, I'm still in the middle of my research on it, so mm-hmm. we'll see what I come up with. But I've already been very impressed with how little I knew and how much there is to so know he about It doesn't this. get taught. So, yeah.
0: Cool. All right. I'm excited about that. That sounds... I like a big, heavy history one.
1: Yeah, it'll be cool.
0: All righty. In the meantime, you can find us online. We are on Instagram at teachmecommunism, Twitter at teachcommunism. You can send us an email. If you have a cool commune you want to tell us about in your area, either historically or in the present, send me an email, teachmecommunism at gmail.com. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, um, even if you're not an Apple user. That is a great way to help people find the show, so please do that. Yeah, and recommend it to your pals or your enemies. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Anyone. You can,
1: yeah, you can re- recommend it to your enemies, but like maybe recommend it as something you hate, and so they're like, "Well, I'm going to get into this because mm. this guy hates it," and then they end yeah, up, yeah, reverse a psychology
0: them, yeah
1: yeah i don't that sounds like it won't work i don't know don't try that sounds
0: difficult all right so just (laughs) recommend this to your friends it sounds easier what else you can find us on youtube or on there if that's how you like to listen to podcasts and we have a patreon Yeah, patreon.com slash teach me communism that's where you can access our notes this week you'll be getting my notes just just kind of a a word vomit of notes (laughs) (laughs) and um so yeah, that's $5 a month to get access to our notes for each episode and that goes through the whole archive too, so you can see like cool marked up PDFs and stuff like that. Yeah. And um at the end of the year that money will go to a local, local mutual aid fund, so it's pretty cool.
1: For sure. Awesome. Well, thank you for teaching me communism. You're welcome. <laughs> that's great, dude. Yeah. And thank you listeners for tuning in. You can check us out next week on another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session.
0: Bye, y'all.